Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where reclaiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the biz bruja herself, Vanessa Codornu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor and coach. An Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for making it onto my website, The Biz Bruja. My name is Vanessa Codornu, Vanessa Codornu, and I am a bilingual Latinx brujita. What does that mean? To me, reclaiming the word bruja has meant owning my heritage, owning my upbringing. Since I'm a little girl, my mom, Maricris Codornu Molini, she used to call me mi brujita, mi brujita. I grew up in a home that thankfully supported my intuition. We talked about los sueños, which are dreams. And when I would share with my mom or my family, any insights or any thoughts I had, they usually supported me, unless of course it was about their marriage or their family, and I would be seen as critical or something like that. But I was really blessed to have that support within the home. Our South American background made way for being Catholic religiously, and at the same time, believing in espiritus, espiritismo, prayers, candles, limpias, which are cleansings, energy work. I grew up watching my grandmothers on both sides, including my mom, pulling energies out of people's body, cleaning up or clearing up um, this uh, empacho. And empacho is something that affects your stomach, right? Usually when you eat too many sugars or sweets or something like that, it can also mean when there are energies around you that you can't stomach. And so it affects your energy. And so I grew up in the middle of all of that um, in New York City, right? So I came to the United States at around one years old. And as I was growing up and learning how to speak English, learning how to navigate the world, I knew that we had this amazing connection with God, the universe, the light within, the light without, whatever you want to call it. And as I observed my mom going to get readings or giving readings, she didn't do it professionally, right? I'm the first one who's done it professionally but she did it privately for her friends. And I saw my dad's mom, my maternal grandmother, um, go into trance and suddenly have this information, this mediumship information from people who were on the other side. So I'm like four, five, six, seven years old. And this is what I'm growing up with. This is normal to me. Now I was told not to tell other people, but as I grew older, I got to about 16 years old and I saw people around me getting readings but things weren't really changing, right? So I started to understand in my teens that you could be really powerfully intuitive, you could know a lot, and yet still keep repeating patrones or patterns of behavior. And a lot of times when I was observing it, even back then as a teenager, I saw that we were repeating these ancestral patterns 
from like my grandmother, my great grandmother, the more I dug around, I realized that some of my reactions were based on ancestral patterns that I was trying to break. But back then, of course, we didn't have a language for it. And so I understood at a young age that one, we're made of energy that we live even after we've left our bodies, that there's always communication, especially with loved ones after they've crossed over, that we are guided by angels, by guides that love us, and that part of our journey on earth is to evolve. And so when we're getting you know, tested by like repeating patterns or repeating situations, you know, same guy, same girl, different face, different name, it's not necessarily that God or the universe is testing us. It's just that we are spinning in the same pattern until we get to a point where enough is enough. We either get the support that we need or we have some sort of breakthrough on our own that allows us to see it for what it is and to stop thinking that our identity is actually the pattern. And what do I mean by this? So some people come to me and they're like, Vanessa, uh, I am a generations and generations of single moms. We are never going to have our partner. We're never going to be able to break through this curse or whatever it is. I've given up, I'm not going to have a partner. And of course, when I go into clinical hypnosis, spiritual hypnosis that I do, I, we start to see in the subconscious that there are these patterns from generation to generation and the conscious mind has adopted them as true and yet they're not. And so the stories that have been passed on our actual experiences, experiences of people who've lived them in our family. And so we've adopted them as true. The thing is they do not have to be true for us. And so born into Espiritismo, born into honoring spirituality and intuition, I started to notice in my teens and in my twenties, like I gotta break the patterns. And so I started to gravitate towards hypnosis. Now at 16, I brought home a Ouija board. And I had already tested it out. People had been like calling me over and it was at high school, high school LaGuardia of music and art in Manhattan. They had called me over and been like, hey, there's a spirit here trying to tell you something. So I'd come home and I'd be like, mom, this spirit told me that this is gonna happen. And she'd be like, I, okay, por favor. And so it wound up happening. And she's like, get me that Ouija board and bring it home. We're gonna play with this. We're gonna study it. Now, my mom was a journalist, a poet, um, she was a radio personality and she started her own magazine in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She left pretty early because she decided she really wanted to have a family and came to the United States with my dad. And then, you know, four of us. So she dedicated her journalistic pursuits to, I guess, debunking or proving that this Ouija board was or was not coming through and giving me information. So we brought it home and my mom sat me down in the kitchen. It was just us. She flipped, she actually put it blindfold over my eyes. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. My mom put a blindfold over my eyes. I could not see a damn thing. I think it was a tie, but I'm not sure. And then she flipped it over a couple of times, just in case she said I had unconsciously memorized the board. And in this darkness and in this quiet, and of course, a lot of fear because I was like, oh my God, what are we doing here? I suddenly started to receive visual, um, visual images I started to receive visual information, auditory information, and also just knowing. So I saw a woman with reddish hair standing up from a river. She was dripping wet and she was with a little boy also who's stepping up from a river. And there was like a car wrecked behind them, like half in the water. And she kept saying, take care of Willie, take care of Willie. Now, Willie was my dad, right? He passed in 20, late 2019. And I was like, what is this woman telling me and my mom that we need to take care of my dad? What is this, right? And then I started to see an older woman dressed in black all the way up to here, like 
I had never seen anybody dressed so like austere in my family at all, ever in my whole life. She came through and gave us information about my cousin. And she said, please do not let this cousin go, you know, who is in Argentina, go to work on this day. Something bad's going to happen. So we were like, okay, cha-ching, we know that that's going to happen. Let's take note. And then she started to share other information. And then a man came in with a big plumed hat, you know, this plume with this cloak. And he was speaking with this heavy accent. And I'm like, mom, I'm hearing Espanol and I'm hearing with duas. And it was like this traditional, you know, Shakespearean Spanish, right? Catalan. No, it wasn't Catalan. It was Castilian. I guess it was Castilian Spanish, not Catalan. That's a different thing. And when my mom said, okay, that's enough, she took the blindfold off me, said, sit down, because you're going to need to sit down, went and she took a picture frame of my father's, pulled up the back and pulled up a picture of this woman with reddish hair. My mouth was on the floor. I'm 16 years old. I'm like, what? This lady just talked to me. And my mom said she died in a car accident in a body of water with her child. She had married somebody else and had a son. So I was like, okay. And then after that, we called Argentina. My mom said, I'm just gonna say it's a sueño, it's a dream. So, you know, you won't get pressured from the family. She called, said, I had a dream. Please don't let the cousin go to work, da, da, da. They didn't. All those months later, yes, he didn't show up and something happened at the job. Okay. so. Already two things were coming true. And then the third one is we were there. Of course, we didn't know about the job thing yet because that was like two months later. My mom said to me, the man that you described is the energy that came to me when I was 17 years old in my room in Argentina. And he came to me and he had this big plumed hat and he said he wanted to help me with my writing. And I screamed, no, get out. Turned out it was my mom's guide who wanted to help her become a published author. And my mom wrote three books. She never published her books, um, but she got published in magazines and articles like that until her 20s. Then she came into the United States and devoted herself to us. So there I am, 16 years old, a teenager. And now I'm like, mind blown. I am, a, I mean, for reals, for reals, an intuitive psychic. I'm picking up information, even blindfolded. So I read my dad on his business. Next thing you know, I'm reading all these, you know, Latino businessman that my dad's bringing over for free as like community support community, you know, giving back to the community. And, you know, I'm 16 years old. I don't know anything about business. I don't really know much about what I'm receiving and hearing. I'm just like, okay, this is what I'm receiving. This is what I'm receiving. I knew then, even at that point, because I teach now, I teach Nasimah Mahikas Born Magical, my eight week intuitive journey to reclaim our ancestral intuition and ancestral gifts. I knew even then that you're not supposed to add meaning to things. So I was just delivering the thing as I got it. And after that, after a while of reading people for free, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was an older sister. I was in high school. I was falling in love. I'm like, can I be a kid? Can I be a teenager? And so I told my mom I lost my gifts. Of course, I did not. And as I got older, there were different things that happened. There's another thing that happened where my debate coach, even though I was a debate, I, I, my partner and I won over and over again at Marist College. He didn't want to take us to the nationals. He was like, a woman will never win. And you know, it was like a long time ago, people. And he wanted to take his two boys, the guys he loved. And I went to cry in the grotto of the school. It was a Virgin Mary. I was there praying, crying. And I heard very clearly, you've got to go. You and your partner are going to be fifth in the country, top five, top five. 
So I called my mom. I was like, oh my God, I was in the grotto. Virgin Mary told me. And she's like, okay, okay, we'll pay for your ticket to go to Colorado Air Force Academy. And then I go and I talk to my partner and I'm like, yo, my parents are going to pay my ticket. We got to go. This is going to happen. We'll be top five in the country. He's like, you're crazy, but I'll go with you. Um, good old Tom. And then I went and spoke with my coach and I was like, you got to let me, I'm a Latina from Queens. You don't understand. We're immigrants. This is our first generation. Like I have no family here to help me do anything. I need to go. I need to do this. So I convinced him and we wound up going and we placed um, third in the country in the novice section. Okay. There were over 300, 400 teams there. We debated a lot of bigger schools. And so I remember walking down those steps when they called our names who are third in the country, novice level. It was just mind blowing. Like I realized my intuition was even serving me in that. Now there are a lot of times I didn't listen to my intuition. There were times when I was living in Manhattan, the Upper West Side by myself. And I was working in casting and film where it was like, do not let that man come up to your apartment, do not. So the guy that I was dating a couple of times already had come up by himself, left his jacket there. And we were out and I had decided to tell him, I don't want to date you anymore. He's like, oh, but my jacket, my higher self is like, yo, do not let him come to the room. Do not let him come to your studio. I did not want to be seen as, I don't know, crazy, weird, um, wacky. I guess I wanted to be a good girl. You know, I was in my early 20s and Latinas, we were raised to be damitas, right? Good girls, all of this. And even though I lived on my own and I moved out, even though my parents didn't want me to, I think there was still a part of me that wanted to people please. And unfortunately he did attack me and I learned such a powerful lesson. From then on, whenever my guides were like, do not let this person in or don't go with this person or don't go over there, skip that party. You better believe I listened. And so this is part of my early life. And at some point in my twenties, I wound up getting hired to do event management at a big company, right? Out in Long Island, I think, but also they did events in Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, across the country. And they call me one day, they're like, wait, you're studying acting, right? And I'm like, yeah, well, that's because I want to be a film director. So I'm studying acting because I want to be able to understand the actor. And they're like, okay, whatever. Can you dress up as like a priestess or a witch or a gypsy and come and do readings? Can you do that? Can you do that? So I wound up being sent to a big event of 400 people. I think it was a book release. And this is before Wi-Fi, right? So a different time, a different life. And there were three of us. It turned out that they loved two of us, okay? They called me back. And then I went to another event with myself and that other person. And again, they loved the two of us. They brought us back again. At one point, I was an event manager and she was a psychic. And she called me over and she's like, can I warm up with you? Now, it was a whole different world, right? I had this like blonde hair, pulled back, red lipstick, black outfit up to here, turtleneck, jacket, little like New York City, you know, trying to climb the ladder of I don't know what, but something. And um, she starts reading me. She says to me, you live a split life. And it was true. And I had tears in my eyes. I was 23, 24 years old. I had already been initiated as a priestess. I was already reading people for six, seven years. I was listening to spirit, not always listening as much as I should. But my life, I felt, wasn't what I thought would be a regular life. You go out, you have friends, you meet people, you do a thing, you're young. I felt really responsible from a very young age. I'm gonna cry here. 
And the psychic said to me at 22, 23, she goes, you're going to be well known for this work. And someday you're not going to be split in half. Right now you have this persona with this blonde hair and this little tight black outfit with like four or five inch heels. And then you go home and you take off that suit and you have candles around you and you're speaking to your guides and to your angels and you hear and you see and you know. And she said, you feel so alone because people your age are out there partying, having a good time. And your guides are telling your ass to stay home. And essentially, it was true. She hit the nail on the head. And it gave me so much hope. And she said, you know, they're going to have to bring you kind of kicking and screaming a little bit into this work. But you're a powerful healer. And you're here to break so many ancestral chains and stories. And you're here to finish work that wasn't finished in other lifetimes. Wow, <laughs> I'm really getting emotional. And this was so long ago, people. This was 26 years ago. I remember it as if it was like today. And I remember crying in front of her because I knew that I had these gifts. I knew that my mom had them, that my grandmothers had them. My grandfather had a guide. My other grandfather was dabbling in hypnosis. And he used to, I found out recently, a couple of years ago, after you know everybody had passed, that he used to use hypnosis to guide my grandmother into a trance. And she used to give all this information from the subconscious space, right? Or the superconscious space, the higher self space. And when she said these things to me, they made sense, but I didn't know how was I gonna go this 23 year old who was terrified of getting married and getting proposed a lot, who was a, so far from her family. My family had moved to Miami, I stayed in New York, who had to leave NYU because parents got mad that I left home and got me out of school. How is I gonna become this that she was telling me? How is I going to become this psychic medium, this teacher, this writer, this healer? And what I've learned over time is that it's step by step, bit by bit. I look back now on my life and there are so many moments that I wanted to give up. In fact, she was right. I was dragged into this path, like a little bit kicking and screaming. And I know nowadays, 2021, everybody is like, I want to be a healer. I want to have a healing, healing business, you know, and I understand it. I understand it because when we step into healing work, we're stepping in to heal ourselves. We're stepping in to understand our inner world, our outer world. We're returning home to ourselves. So of course we want to do that. Now, I don't think everyone's meant to do this professionally full-time because it takes more than just being a healer or intuitive reader. It's also gonna take you being a business person, right? Because a business person or an entrepreneur approaches a problem differently from a healer. Just want you to know. And so I look back on that and God bless that lady who told me that. I mean, I was just like, I came home and I wept. I was like, oh my God. And, you know, 23 years old and everybody's inviting you out drinking. They're getting mad at you because you're not doing drugs with them. And I'm not, these are people who had jobs and who were doing well and were in school, but they were like, party girl, party. Meanwhile, my spirits were like, chica, quieta, quieta. Grounded girl, grounded, limpia, clear channel. And that's what my guides were sharing with me. And so I'd be like, no, I'm going to stay home tonight. Now, it didn't mean that I didn't go dancing, 
But in my early 20s, I was overly sensitive. Before we had the word empath, I knew that my aura was very permeable, right? And my mom used to tell me that. And she used to say, you know, just like Abuelita, you come into a room, you're like, something bad happened here. And then we find out something bad happened. And so what wound up happening is that that lady who read me, the psychic who read me, she was a sweetheart. Um, She moved me. I mean, I walked around the rest of the event kind of like, like struck, like, oh my God. Um, But before she left, I grabbed her hands, held her, took a deep breath and channeled her dad. I asked her, I said, can I give you a message that's been on me all night? And so after I did that, she cried too. And he told her she was going to write this book and she did. And um, she then told the company that I was for real, for real. They're like, she's not some girl studying acting to be a filmmaker who you're calling to do some tarot reading. Like she's a psychic medium without any tools in her hands. She doesn't even need a card, people. And after that, I just get sent here. And remember, before Wi-Fi. So I was at penthouse apartments. I was at book launchings. I was at radio programming. Um, I became the darling of a beautiful group of Russian um, socialites in New York City who would send a car for me and I would do a whole reading event in my 20s and, and read folks, you know? And as I said, this is over 25 years ago. And what I was telling someone too is that being that I'm in New York, um, I've always felt aligned with social justice values and inclusivity and being diverse. I mean, I was dedicated to San Martin de Porres. San Martin is the first black saint that I've ever heard of. I think there are others now. And so on my knees every night as a little girl, I was praying to San Martin de Porres, like protect me. And so to me from a very young age, and then I was also praying to, I think it was Santa Catalina, I'm not sure, but she was a beautiful um, indigenous female saint who you know, had been martyred and everything and gone through a lot. Um, and so here I had this beautiful indigenous saint, I had this black saint. And so from a very young age, God to me had color. Um, I never saw Jesus as white. I never saw the sacred as necessarily pale. And so from a very young age, when I noticed that there were injustices around me, they affected me terribly. And I know now as I've gotten older, um, my own privilege as a light-skinned Latina, and I've tried to create platforms and opportunities, spaces for me to heal and for me not to inflict harm, and also to create opportunities for the next generation of healers, intuitives, leaders, and conscious, spirited, BIPOC, and Latinx people to rise. You know, when I was younger, I didn't see And when I say younger, I even meet 15 years ago. I didn't really see healers like myself. What do I mean by that? Because you could be like, well, girl, you pay, you light. What are you talking about? What I'm saying is that when I started doing my work, it was just an extension of how I was living. There was no, you know, near death experience, although I did have that, but that just said, that made me an entrepreneur. That didn't make me a healer. I was already a healer and a reader there was no like big dramatic thing. It was a series of continuous interaction and interconnectedness with the spirit world and being in service. And so I did most of my work for free most of my life. But as I was saying, when I first started, 
And people were like, well, you're light skin, Vanessa. So what's the issue? I didn't meet people who had started the way I did. They didn't know about espiritismo. They didn't know about rituals. My minor is um, Latin American studies. And so I studied Afro-Caribbean religions in college. They didn't know about the sacred ways that our people, our Latinx people have blended cultures. And I'm talking about blending cultures. No matter what we look like, I've found as Latinos, unless you know your family arrived from France, Germany, or Switzerland or something, or the UK in 1980 or something like that. But I'm saying no matter what we look like, we're so mixed. We're so mixed. We are usually holding tremendous power of our indigenous ancestors, of our African ancestors, usually West African, but they can be from all over, of our Middle Eastern ancestors, of our Indian ancestors from India, of our European ancestors, of our Chinese, of our Asian ancestors. I find that Latinx people are carrying powerful magics. And I'm not saying other people are not carrying it, right? I'm just talking about my experience and what I've, what I've seen. And so magic and social justice, reclaiming our intuition, they're not opposite. You know, I was blessed to read Starhawk. Starhawk is a priestess. She's a white woman, a Jewish woman. And she's also a professor. Maybe she's in her late 70s now. But she wrote a book at 26, The Spiral Dance, which talks about Wicca, earth paganism, like earth religion. And I was lucky enough in my 20s to take a workshop with her in New York City. And she combined magic and activism, magical activism. Now she's not the first. Our peoples were doing this years and years and years and years. They were probably doing it in the caves. They were doing it before war. They were doing it to keep the peace. And so now it's really trendy on social media and TikTok and all these different spaces. But I really feel that any magical person, any deeply spiritual, mystical human who is communing with spirit cannot truly spiritually bypass what's really happening in the world. And so in my twenties, when we were hearing things like, if you can just think yourself into the reality, all you need to do. But I saw my friends, my black friends who were struggling with racism. I saw my gay friends struggling with homophobia. I saw myself as a woman struggling, struggling with misogyny with oppression. And I'm like, I cannot think myself out of this shit, okay? And so now we're talking about it everywhere online. We're talking about not bypassing. The truth is there's so many of us that were already knowing this a long time ago. And so I was able to study with Starhawk in person. And when I studied with Starhawk in person, she taught us about how to call the elements, how to connect to mother earth. This is already what, 27 years ago, 27? Yeah, 27 years ago. So we could be activists. And that being armchair mystics was not true spirituality. 
that when you say that you love Mother Earth, that when you say that you are, we are connected and we are one and we're brothers and sisters, that we're going to take action, that we're going to look at our own privilege, that we're going to do what we can do about it. And so I love Starhawk. I also had the great blessing from a very young age of learning at the foot, or I could say at the candle or at the cards, or at the este, taza con café, you know, the, co the coffee cup. I'm not a coffee drinker, but if you're going to read my coffee grind rhymes, you know I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be drinking it, right? And you know, I had an amazing mentor who was part of La Veintiuna de Visiones, Twenty One Divisions, Dominican priestess, Mari. She's passed away now. She taught me so much about herbal cleansing and and reading and trusting myself. And she's like, ¿Para qué tú estás aquí? Tú puedes hacer lo que yo hago. ¿Para qué estás aquí? But I stayed with her all those years anyway. And I've had other amazing readers who were Cuban-American or who were Cuban, South American, Mexican-American, Puerto Rican, Boricua. Um, thankfully, New York is the true melting pot, right? Where you get to meet so many different people if you allow yourself. And so the first readers I met weren't white. They were the whole rainbow of the Latinx community. And that's what I grew up on. And so there were altars in my home since I'm a little girl with really tall saints, okay? I have a San Lázaro that my brother who passed away last year, he had, and it's still in the closet waiting for me. They wrapped him up. I got to go get him in Miami. And the idea that we had a power within us and a connection to spirit where no matter how sad, how broken, how upset we were with what was happening in our lives, that we could take back our energy by sitting in prayer, by lighting our altars, right? Lighting candles on our altars, by calling our ancestors and relying on their strength and their power because they survived. And that's what I grew up with. I mean, I also grew up with dysfunction and my parents had a lot of fights, but I have to honor the fact that the spirituality was strong. And even when I went to Argentina and I was overwhelmed talking to my grandparents, it's like, oh my God, I did a past life regression. I went back to five lives. I was like 19. My grandparents were laughing. They were like, you think you invented re uh, reincarnation? Let us tell you our stories. They were like in their 60s. And, you know, I think, yeah, probably 60s. And so I was blessed that it was a normal thing. And I was blessed that I had really great teachers that intertwined magic and personal empowerment as a tool for collective empowerment. And so, as I said before, I know that it looks like it's all new, everybody's jumping around. No, it's older than I am. This shit is ancient and it's been happening. And I was only not only blessed to sit with so many teachers of so many paths. I studied with Dr. Marta Moreno Vega and she wrote the book, The Altar of My Soul. And she is an Afro-Latina who discovered her hidden heritage and got initiated into Santeria, Regla de Ocha in Cuba at some point. And I'm so incredibly indebted to her. I think I studied with her when, I think it's 18 years ago, 19 years ago. And she recognized me even as I sat in her class. She was like, which, what is which? Vanessa, can you define it? I was like, oh shit, me ve, she sees me. And so to me, the word bruja is an empowering word that I wanna take back. 
the colonization of the world, right? Because white tribes colonize white tribes, European countries colonized European countries. And then they got so good at it that they went everywhere else, right? That's the truth. And our colonized peoples across the world have been told that their powers are demonic. And I'm talking about powers of intuition, of healing, powers of sensuality, powers of regeneration, because we can regenerate through sensuality. We can regenerate through dance. We can regenerate through the arts, through poetry, self-expression. And so we've been through this journey for hundreds, probably thousands of years of oppression. And so I ask you, if you're on this path and you're still listening to this, when you are working on your healing, when you are developing your candle magic, to remember that you're doing it not just for yourself. You're doing it for your abuelas, your bisabuelas, tatarabuelas, tatarare, tatarare, tatarabuelas, like going back, 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 back. And that you're doing it for the future generations. Don't let learning about healing and spirituality, ser una bruja, don't let it be a trend. Don't let it be cute that you have a cute little black hat or really amazing sharp black nails or really cool makeup. And you know, the aesthetic, the aesthetic is beautiful. But I do want to add this. I do want to add this. A lot of the modern day aesthetic for what a witch is or what a bruja is was created, okay, during the 400 years of the burning times in Europe. And through the paintings that were created at that time and the printings and the etchings that they did, where brujas are seen as sinister women mostly. And there's this like very eerie energy about them. See, when I think of a bruja, we could be dressed in black if we want. We could have a hat if we want. We could do whatever the F we want. That's why we're a bruja. But I never saw it as something eerie. So I don't really kind of get it sometimes. I never saw it as something creepy. Being a bruja to me is the most natural thing in the world. You take a breath and it's like, hey, earth, I'm back. And you come back. Hey, mom, hola. Hey, papi, good to see you again. We're gonna play it differently this time. I'm gonna be your kid. We're saying hello again to mother earth, to Pachamama. We're saying hello again to a world that needs so much healing and understanding that because we've incarnated so many times, we also have karma. And so we're returning. And in that moment when we remember who we truly are, and it could take a lot of moments, right? Because I remembered myself, but shit, I still had to deal with all the modern trauma I had. And I don't, let's not talk about past lives, right? And all that and ancestral patterns. But it, being a bruja is not just a trend. It is a way of life. And it implies to me, and it is a deep invitation for us to clear everything within us that is not true, that is not real. Right? What we've been told about what is to be female or male, or that we must be binary, or that we must look this way or act this way to clear away everything that is not us, to allow ourselves to truly be who we are, 
to allow ourselves to show up in our shadow, in our light. And the more that we love ourselves as we are, the more compassion we'll have for others. The more boundaries we'll also create, right? Because we're just not gonna put up with that anymore. But to me, Bruja was never scary. And I never ever felt, and let me tell you, I am, I am skilled at candle work. I've been doing this shit for 25 years in this life, people. I got jars in the, in the, in the freezer. No, I'm kidding. When I moved, I cleaned them out and got rid of them. But what I'm saying is all these eerie images and this power throwing, like, watch out, my ancestors will get your ass. Like, they're so funny and they're so cute. They're great and humorous. But are we really here to harm each other? Are we really here to continue the story where sister is pitted against sister, where men are pitted against men or we're pitted against anybody who's different looking than us or different thinking than us? Or is the Bruja's role one of connection, of networking? You know, modern day spirituality and the com 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 commodification, hello, <laughs> commodification of it, has created this space where I see all these people, oh, I have to breathe. I have to like really like process. Oh, I don't know how to be spiritual and be in the world, like all the things, right? And I'm not trying to put that down if you're going through that phase, okay? Because I went through that phase. But when you really think about people who are spiritual, if you think about a curandera back in the day, if you think about a shaman back in the day, and we're talking about a good one, right? Who's serving the community. You think they were in the mountain going, oh my God, I have to process, the Spaniards are coming. No, they were probably there. Come on, let's do this. Let's do that. Wow, pa, give me eye of newt. No, that's a European thing. But I was like, you know, dame cola del lagartijo, right? But I'm just saying we were in action. It was spirit in action. A bruja is spirit in action. It's not you're in a mountaintop all like, ay Dios mío, el mundo está para la mierda. The world is going to hell. It's going to shit. I mean, we have those moments. Trust me, I have the moments where I want to run away to an island and just write books and like just say goodbye to everything. And then there are other moments where I love humanity and I love us so much that I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here right now, as hard as it's been. And so remember, remember, remember. Curanderas were in action. They were like, Anita, la hija de Paca is going to have a baby. Let's go. She's bringing the hot water. This one's bringing that. The other one's like, bueno, Lulu, come on, bring this, bring that. We were hooking it up. If somebody had something, they shared it with the person who didn't. If somebody knew how to do something, they did something to help the people that didn't have it. And so you can be any kind of bruja you want. You want to be a glam bruja. You want to be a goth bruja. You want to be whatever kind of kitchen witch, you know, uh, 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 a bitch witch, lo que sea. But just remember, we have the power to transform. We have the power to change. We have the power to connect. We understand the elements within without. We understand that we can be a force for good in our community. We understand that we've been here before and we've seen this shit and now we can do it different. So I'm gonna challenge you to do things differently. I'm gonna challenge you to look at yourself and yes, look at the privileges that we've had and how can we support? And we don't have to shout from the roof every time we donate some money. We don't have to shout from the rooftops every time we did a good thing. Because being a bruja, that's what you do. You support community, you hold space. Now I know that we're all tired. 
And I know especially that black and brown women are very tired because traditionally you've been taken from, you've been minimized, you have not been honored and raised up. And so if you wanna chill, chill. If you wanna rest, rest. Do what you need to do. Now I'm not saying everybody else can't rest, but I'm saying that I understand that in the last two years of this pandemic with what's happened with Black Lives Matter and seeing so many Black folk being killed, and it's not new, we've been seeing this, that if you need that time to drop in and use your bruja magic to heal yourself, you do what you want to do. And for the other brujas, you have some privileges. Remember that these privileges are so we can hold our communities that include all sexes, all genders, all races, all religions. And I'll tell you like, I really, I'm not mad at people who are Orthodox in any way. I'm not gonna crucify them and I don't judge them because maybe this is the life they get to be Orthodox and maybe I already had that life. And I was like, no quiero volver a eso, I'm not going back to that, right? Everybody's different. Everybody's on their own journey. If you're gonna call yourself a bruja, know that there are lineages, know that there's so many of us, know that some of us have to be hidden, some of us dress in suits and wear corporate, some of us are lawyers, some of us are kitchen witches, some of us are single moms, some of us are online, tons of us are offline, and that not everyone who's on a broom is really witch. Entonces, allow yourself to be the witch you want to be. Thank you. <laughs>